as it works out and, and what's in the light chip is you need more like 80 kilowatt hours of battery, which is like what's in a Tesla Model 3. And the reason you don't need as much, uh, you know, it's sort of like a fundamental level is because you're towing it behind a, a truck or an SUV. And whether that truck is a standard gas truck or diesel truck or increasingly an electric truck, there's plenty of power uh, to, to, you know, for the vehicle to pull itself. What there isn't enough of is energy to, to sort of compensate for the, the drag, you know, the additional drag of, of the towing. So that's something that we're sort of really focused on. Hello and welcome to the Atonicast. I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I am the author of Ludicrous, the unvarnished story of Tesla Motors. What are you, Ed? Do you even know who you are? I I, I stopped to think for a moment. There's <laughs> a little bit of a hesitation there. And I'm Kirsten Gorosek, transportation editor at TechCrunch. And today I'm really excited uh, for this pair of co-founders because Ed and I have actually been in their product. Um, I'm talking about Lightship RV and the co-founders of the company, Ben Parker, who's CEO, and Toby Krauss, who is president. Hi, Toby and Ben. Hello, guys. Great to be here. Also, a lot of enthusiasm. A lot of enthusiasm <laughs> coming from coming from <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Yeah, everyone's go. a little out of sorts because Alex Roy's not here yet. So true. We've got to bring the energy. Yeah. Um, uh, Alex. Alex maybe. Yeah. Alex maybe stopping by. Um, hopefully soon. So let's though get into Lightship. A lot of people actually already aware of your startup, but for those who aren't aware, this is not just your everyday travel trailer that is towed behind your diesel powered truck. What is Lightship RV? Yeah, what a, what a crazy feeling that that people, we have even like a an iota of of uh, name recognition at this point. We're at, we're the first American electric RV manufacturer, and uh, we're building what we think is the perfect travel trailer for the age of electrification. It's a it's a ground up approach, kind of like. Well, in a way, like what Tesla did almost almost 20 years ago, uh, some of the some of the same some of the same needs apply. Okay, well, that kind of touches a little bit of what you've done, but uh, explain when people think of a travel trailer, or if they think an electrified one, they might mistakenly think of it as oh, there's solar on board, and this is like you know electrical power that can power you know my refrigerator and things. But actually what this is, is an electric motor and battery pack, I think two different sizes, depending on what you want, that propels the RV, which would in turn help with fuel savings for a gas powered or diesel powered truck, or importantly, all of these new electric trucks that are coming onto market. Um, So explain, maybe Toby, you can jump in. How did this idea come about to begin with? Um, and why like travel trailers, why not some other electrified product? It's a great question. Uh, and, and honestly, actually, when I first met Ben and heard the pitch, like we're making the first all electric RV, I was a little bit like RV is really interesting. Like I spent my career working on cars and trucks and buses. I don't, I frankly hadn't thought about the RV market. I'd spent some time in RVs. Um, but just the very question of like, what even is an electric RV? It, it was like a little bit of a, you know, a question mark to, to me too. Um, to answer the question of like where it all started, actually the fun, the funny story is like, it actually started as a food truck. Um, and, and when Ben was at Tesla, um, he was spending, you know, by day working on batteries at Tesla's headquarters, then in Palo Alto before moved to Texas. 
uh, and at lunchtime eating at a food truck. Also by day. Also by day. <laughs> Catering <laughs> at Tesla is notoriously basically food food truck based, right? Or or sometimes I remember once uh, uh, you get like a little like like paper box or something, but like it's not like it's not like other like car companies where you go and they have like a huge cafeteria or anything. I'm glad you know that. Yeah, there was a, there was a, there were a number of of catering companies that came and went the, the, the Tesla cafeteria. But yeah, the, but the, but the food trucks was the that was the that was kind of the origin because I'd I'd uh, I'd been working on the Model Three battery for about about three and a half years from you know from sh- shortly after the the launch of the of the the concept if you remember that Elon up on stage to 2016. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. It was very, very early 2016. Um, through you know, through the production hell, through the through the ramp. I I spent most of my time at the the first Gigafactory outside of Reno, and uh, got to got to know the casino hotels in in Reno very very well. I know all of them, and uh, that so it was a, it was about uh, about a three and a half year stint all in, and then uh, eventually. You know, after after many many trials and tribulations, and, and the company almost uh, uh, almost going bust along the way, uh, the the Model Three was in in stable volume production, and then I came back to to the engineering headquarters uh, in in Palo Alto, and and was starting to work on the next generation battery design, the so called structural battery that that'll you know was uh, at the time meant to go into the Cybertruck, and. Uh, Kind of believe, believe it or not, actually had a bit more time on my hands because I was not on the production floor all the time. And and you uh, mean you weren't yeah. sleeping on the production floor, right? Isn't that like a basic requirement? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. The um, that's the I think that's the sort of the reduced the reduced form of <laughs> what happened. And people definitely did sleep under their desks uh, during that that period. Uh, there were. Y'all, y'all may have heard this. There were actually sleeping trailers. They were, they, I think they called them sleeping pods that were out like an RV. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was basically an RV, uh, but but just a bed. And you would go in and and sleep for, for a few hours during the night, and then and then then come back again. There were there were like, I think I remember four, four, four or six of these. Those I definitely used because it was a it was. Uh, it was over a half an hour back to, to Reno from Sparks. Sparks is kind of, you'll probably know, out, out in the desert. And, uh, yeah, made, made good use of sleeping pods. Um, I, I have a lot of fun memories from that that, that time, as, as hard, hard as it was. We, fun, we used to... fun memories is interesting qualifier. I, I bet that there was some some good Good fun in the sleep, the sleep pods, and it's, you know. I mean, it's well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. That, that was always a solo experience. Uh, but but there's oh I no. There's, I was, <laughs> but uh, more, more I was me, thinking of I, I was, more I was thinking about like being overworked and uh, put going into a sleep pod. I I yeah. It but, was bombing for hardship, but it, so, for sure. some of the most some of the most fun things we did is we used to run in the hills behind. The Gigafactory. We would we all strapped on trail running shoes, and there were packs of wild horses that would that would roam, behind, you know, all all around the factory. And we would literally we were literally running with horses back back there, you know, early mornings before we'd go in. It was a crazy time. Anyway, I got I got back to 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 California and was working on on what what the next generation battery would be, and 
I, I was at, I would eat at a, there was sort of a rotating circuit of food trucks, like, like you're talking about, Ed, that, that would come to the to headquarters every day. And they all run these gas generators and the, the lineup next to each other. And so the generator exhaust pipe from one is like spewing into the order window of, of the next. And I just, uh, got kind of fed up. <laughs> That's good. There's a pun for you. And, uh, I was like, man, we got to, I, I have to do something here. These, these trucks should definitely be electric that, you know, the, the products to do it are literally on the other side of the wall in, inside of the, inside of the building, you know, inside of the headquarters. And so, uh, took it upon myself to, to, to sort of, uh, pick up a pet project to, to try to electrify all the, all of the food trucks in the Bay area. And I was doing that for nine or 10 months and, um, and getting really into it, knew a lot of the food truckers in the Bay Area, and and as um, as fate would have it, Toby and I were both, you know, both as I was doing that project, Toby and I were, although we'd not met at that point, um, we're we're thinking about what you know in in the post Model Three era, what does what does the next wave of electrification look like? It's you know it's it's um, especially from a technology and product development standpoint because it's clearly it was going to happen in, in automotive at that point. It was clear that, that passenger cars and light trucks were, were going electric, but where else, you know, what other forms of, of ground transportation would go electric. And so that, that thought was on both of our minds. I had this food truck project and then um, COVID hit. And I, you know, I, everyone who I told about the food truck project, RVing would always come up in, in conversation as well. Um, I hadn't done a lot of RVing early, early in life because I grew up on a, on a tiny, tiny island on the East coast and then moved to a, like, like a dense, expensive city on, on, on the West coast. But there's a tough, tough, tough places to, to go RVing. But, um, you know, I, I've always loved, uh, road tripping in the outdoors and, and, and Toby, Toby too. And, uh, so I, as, as COVID hit, I had this idea that people had seen in my mind of what if, what if, uh, what if we're talking about electric RVs instead? And I looked into the market a little bit and saw that, you know, there are 10,000 food trucks in the U.S. There are, there are something like 12 million active RVs on the road in the U.S. It's 10% of the country that, that owns an RV. It's this. It's a sort of like a both a beloved and an integral American pastime. It's how a lot of Americans experience the outdoors if they can't just throw on a, a backpack and go out for 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 a week at a time, which is which is many of us. And uh, I was uh, I was pretty sold. So then so then I did the crazy thing and I quit. Uh, my job and I rented a, an RV for three months at a, a, at a bargain basement rate because the, the lockdown had just started and RVs hadn't, the, the market hadn't gone crazy yet. Good timing because they yeah. went crazy like <laughs> three months afterwards. I can tell you a longer story about it, but it's, it's amazing. I was, I timed it to within a few days before like this, this RV rental business, his phone was off the hook ringing and, and uh, I could not have gotten the, the good rate that they offered up front. And so anyway, I did, did this long RV road trip and I was getting into the pastime and meeting a bunch of other RVers on the road and, um, sort of, um, talking to them and, and, and thinking for myself, like literally napkin sketching on what, um, what electrification would do for, for the RVing pastime. If you were to go from propane cans and, you know, 12 volt car batteries, that's, that's sort of the state of the art for, 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 for technology on board RVs to, Let's use, um, you know, take an EV, an EV uh, powertrain, and combine it with a home solar system, and then put, you know, build build sort of a modern automotive digital backbone into the into in, into these vehicles. So so in effect, build 
build an RV as if it, it were an electric vehicle. And um, I was uh, I was pretty inspired when I got back, so started started working on, on a first prototype. And then Toby and I met within a couple months. And, I, and um, yeah, I had to twist his arm a little bit on the on the on the, <laughs> the, the business pitch for it. But I was uh, I think we knew we knew within you know within a couple meetings that there was there was something pretty special there you know between between us. I had a so, quick question just to back up really quickly on the food trucks part. It was a project. So is that something that you pitched to Tesla at the time? And were they like, because I know that there has always been sort of an unspoken sort of you can work on side projects type thing. I've heard of other people who've worked at Tesla who've done that. But oftentimes it's to fold it back into the company. Was there any buy-in on that? Like before you uh, obviously different direction or was this like oh yeah we know that this guy's doing this but fine no it was was pretty grassroots i i mean i i told i remember telling telling a few coworkers about it and they they were they were they were like okay that's interesting why is he so why is he so excited over this uh i think i mean at least my my experience at at tesla was that um side projects and getting 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 buy-in on, on side projects or having them having them become part of the business was was a pretty the way that i saw it play out a couple of times was pretty unstructured um it was sort of like you, you know you would just go and do it and if if um if you proved enough promise in what you were doing then maybe it would become interesting for for tesla i, I never uh i never witnessed it be more of more of a structured thing like i think google does something where you have a certain amount of your time that that you can spend on yeah on it always project. seemed always seemed informal from what I had heard from, from others. Yeah. The, the wild like, thing I mean, to me, sorry, yeah. I just, I am amazed. Like I've been inside your, this RV. I'm really glad that things have worked out the way that it is to me though. Like if Tesla's having food carts show up at this place every day, uh, you know, to, to feed their employees, like why not just run some extension cords out there? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, Ed, you're asking all the right questions. I, uh, like I said, no, I mean, to me, like, there's a little bit of like, a, a, this is kind of the cool and the bizarre thing about Tesla is that like, sometimes simple, pragmatic solutions are not the kind of thing that come out of that culture, but like really cool, amazing things like this entire new company that now you guys are, are out and people are getting excited about do. So like, it's just, it's just kind of a fascinating contrast to me. I think, I think part of it for me is that I don't know. Um, I was like, I was so annoyed at the rumbling of these generators. I just like, I had, I hadn't frankly still have sort of a death wish for gas and diesel generators. And I don't know if everyone else shared that level of ire. See, I would have been, I would have been there with you. I hate going to, there's nothing worse than going to a place, a food cart. And like, you can sort of smell the food, but it's like being the smell for me. It's a smell thing as much as a noise thing that the smell is being overwhelmed by the, the exhaust smell. Like, like part of the pleasure of eating at a food cart is that you like smell the food and you're like, anyway, I think the reason this didn't become a side project is is because like it it was like revolving around employees taking a break and eating lunch, which is like not really a accepted thing to do frequently. Eating, eating or taking breaks, totally. Yeah. So okay, but, oh, I no. see. Maybe that was the reason. Like they they're like we could make this more you know pleasurable, but we're not going to because you've got to get back to work on. So. So you explain the 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 why not a food cart thing. Like I love that as the first step, but then you you know okay, like the market for RVs is much bigger. Why a trailer and not an RV? Like why not why not a fully self like why aren't you taking a, a a Tesla, you know, Model S platform and building a, a an RV on it, you know, or you know, extending a coach building it or something like that. 
I want to, and also Toby, when you answer the question, I also want to hear as you're answering it, why it took some convincing for you to join. <laughs> maybe we should start there. <laughs> um, yeah, for, for sure. And, and I'll also maybe loop it back to like the original topic too, of like what the heck even is an electric RV? Cause, cause uh, it's all kind of tied together. So my, I, I, I was Tesla's as well for six years. Um, I'm kind of more on the business side. I led the finance team there. And then I was product manager for about a year. Um, and, uh, and then I left Tesla, let's see, it was 2015, probably right as about, you know, right about when Penn was getting started and uh, moved over to another electric vehicle company called Proterra that does, you know, big heavy duty electric vehicles. Their, their principal product was a, was a transit bus at the time. And my job at Proterra was starting um, what we would eventually call the Proterra powered business was basically Proterra taking its technology and putting it into other commercial vehicle uh, manufacturers uh, platforms like Daimler, for instance, Daimler was, was our, our sort of main partner. Um, so I got to spend a bunch of time in Europe, uh, you know, actually visited the, the, the plant, the Daimler specialty vehicles plant where they do the Unimog, uh, which was, which was pretty cool. Um, so anyway, I, I kind of like was trained of, uh, in thinking like, you know, electrification of big things and like, what is that and why, and like, why would you focus on certain categories and what, what is their willingness to pay? Um, and I didn't look at RVs, uh, at the time I remember like presenting at Proterra's board of directors, like a slide and like, there was like a dot, it was like an RV, you know, dot on it. Um, but I frankly overlooked it. And the reason I'd overlooked at it, uh, overlooked it is because I was, um, I was thinking of it as you might, you know, if you work in a bus company, I was thinking about what the RV industry calls a motor coach. So, you know, big motorized vehicle, um, you know, on the, on the big side, it's something that looks like kind of like a bus and on the small side, something that looks more like a sprinter van. And there's sort of two issues with that category of RVs. Number one is it's really small category in the U S there's like 50,000 or so of them sold every year. And number two is it's really hard to electrify. So, if you're Proterra, you can put 400 kilowatt hours of batteries on a bus and you can sell it to a municipal transit agency for, you know, $700,000 or so. And it pencils out because guess what? Municipal transit agencies get funding from the FTA. Um, and, and so it's fine. That's not a consumer product, right? Like there, there are RVs that are sold for $700,000 you know, a year uh, or, or $700,000. It's, it's like, you know, two or three of them every year. Um, and that's not an, an interesting business for, for, you know, a startup to go after and, and try to like make a big impact and, and build a you know, big company. Um, but if you take a step back, RVing as a pastime in, in, in the U S is, is gigantic. You know, as, as Ben was saying, it's like half a million vehicles sold every year. One in 10 Americans owns an RV. And as it would happen, there's the little cap category of motorized RVs, the 50,000. There's a really big category of towable RVs, which is like, you know, 10 times the size. It's like more like 450,000 vehicles sold every year. Um, so when, you know, Ben kind of first gave me the pitch, like that, that wasn't immediately obvious, but, but, you know, doing some, some pretty quick research, you, you're like, holy crap, like this is massive RVs, like as a, as a category and the opportunities is, is in, is in the towable RV. Um, and then the second sort of really important, you know, part of it is, you know, thinking about the electrification, um, of, of the platform, 
it's not the same problem as in a motorized RV. You don't need 400 kilowatt hours of battery to, to make a fundamentally better experience for the customer. As it works out, and, and what's in the light chip is, you need more like 80 kilowatt hours of battery, which is like what's in a Tesla Model 3. And the reason you don't need as much, uh, you know, it's sort of like a fundamental level is because you're towing it behind a, a truck or an SUV. And whether that truck is a standard gas truck or diesel truck, or increasingly an electric truck, there's plenty of power uh, to, to, you know, for the vehicle to pull itself. What there isn't enough of is energy to, to sort of compensate for the, the drag, you know, the additional drag of, of the towing. So that's something that we're sort of really focused on. We should say, though, that, that 80 kilowatt hours to, to get 300 miles, like we have killed ourselves to to be that efficient. It's not it's not uh, it was not naturally going to be so if we if we'd made sort of a box like travel trailer and then and put 80 kilowatt hours of battery on board, we probably would have gotten it less than half of the range. Right. So the the shape itself and and I've written about it and we've posted some videos over at TechCrunch about it um, is a more aerodynamic shape. What I think was why I've been so interested in your company is because I've been watching all of these automakers, legacy automakers like GM and Ford. And then, of course, you know, Tesla with its yet to be produced uh, Cybertruck. Um, and then Rivian all talking about towing capability and they love putting out specs and, and they all choose not to share what actually happens to the range when that ha- when, if you were to max it out in terms of towing capability and, and you two actually experience that in your testing, but, or they have to be vague. They'll, they'll say something like, you know, you'll lose roughly half of your 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 range in fact when you're cruising on the highway it's more like it's more like two-thirds so you know a 300 mile truck becomes a 100 mile truck at that point which is which is which is barely usable if we're being honest it's barely usable and also especially when you look at companies like like you know let's use rivian as an example uh really interesting truck absolutely nails like the lifestyle side of it but (laughs) it's all about adventure and all this stuff and you can't go anywhere on a hundred miles towing something, right? Like, and that's presuming that where you left and where you're going to has EV charging infrastructure of some kind. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. So that's why I thought this was interesting. Um, the other part that I thought was smart is uh, maybe you could explain how it is actually when when you're hooking it up, the ease of that and also um, what is involved? Because when I think of an independent travel trailer with an electric motor and, you know, with a with a uh, drivetrain under it or powertrain, I think that could be complex. And how does it cooperate with the vehicle that's towing it? So how did how did that design come together? And and was it exactly how you set it out to be? Or did you have to do some tweaking along the way to make it work? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, because the um it's funny because these, these EV trucks are so there's such good products with an Achilles heel, basically on on, on almost every other um, measure of goodness they are they are as good or better than than their you know sort of, uh, combustion peers. But the towing range thing, which which you know what what do people what do people what is what is one major use of trucks in America towing uh, is kind of is kind of where where they they fall apart a little bit, and I think that's um, that, that was, I mean, that was, that was a lot of what inspired Toby and I early on too, was, was thinking about 
um, the nature of going RV at present and how you can make improvements through through a through a vehicle redesign. Just just kind of incorporating some of the some of the latest technology and um, and then thinking about you know where where does the where does the truck segment go in the future? Well, it goes electric, but is 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 by the looks of it. And so, how do you design a a, a vehicle or a product that is um, ready for for electrification as well? This is you know it's it's a, it's sort of a better experience now than the only it's the only product that 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 works in a in an electric truck future. Um, the yeah the 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 range assist system is is interesting. The the um, the primary challenge is so um, what what we do I guess is with with the L1, which is our our, our first product. This is sort of the flagship product, 20, 27 foot travel trailer meant for um, uh, probably a, sm- a small family is maybe the most likely um, set of folks who would who would use it. Um, we 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 our goal from the outset was how do we get to a a, a zero range loss scenario? So how do we um, you know, if you're driving with driving with a gas or a diesel truck, uh, how do we how do you how do we preserve your fuel economy? So instead of ten, maybe eight to ten miles a gallon, you're back to your highway, uh, you know, your highway cruising consumption unladen of of let's say twenty to twenty five miles per gallon, and then for for EV truck, so so kind of get the fuel savings there, and and the and 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 just be longer range, so you can do a really long haul day, and then for EV truck owners, how do we preserve the 300 mile range that that people are used to in the in the long range EV trucks, um, because again, typically you'd see about two thirds of that go away if you're if you're if you're pulling a brick behind you, which is which is um, virtually all traditional travel trailers. Um, how do we get that 200 miles lost back? And the the rough math there is that um, it turns out about 100 of that 200 lost you can get back. Just through vehicle design, through passive means. So this means really focusing on drag efficiency. You know, great aerodynamic efficiency is the the most important there. You have to look at tire drag, bearing drag, all of those forms of, of drag. How do you how do you reduce those? Um, when you do that, now you're at about a 200 mile range. And then we asked ourselves, how do you make up the um, the additional 100 miles lost to get back to to 300 miles? And the way that we do that is through um, what you could call a range assist system. So this means uh, an EV battery plus a small motor, a small drive motor that is on board the trailer and drives the the wheels of the trailer so that the trailer is helping the tow vehicle or is basically uh, compensating for its own weight or for its own drag. And that means from the, you know, from the perspective of the tow vehicle, when it's, when it's towing a light ship, um, it barely feels the trailer as it's, you know, as you're, as you're, as you're cruising on the highway, meaning there's almost no force between the, between the vehicles, there's no force dragging the, the, the tow vehicle back. And, um, that I guess describing it that way sort of implies the, 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 what we think the solution is to, which is to put a force sensor in the hitch between the two vehicles, because you always want to know what is the, what is the force between the, the truck and the trailer. And when you know that force, um, you can then tell the motor that is on board the trailer how hard to push. And the thing that you wanna um, make sure never happens is that the trailer would really push the truck. Cause you can imagine, especially if you're in a turn, if you're you know like a banked descent 
or something like that on the road, then if the trailer were to push hard in that moment, it could destabilize the truck. Um, and so we we make sure that we're always, we, you know, we always know what the force between the two vehicles is and uh, ensure that the that the trailer is never going to push the truck. Uh, what about so so that makes sense? Um, you know, if you think of it just purely the, the the towing aspect, but then when you start turning, you start making sharp turns, you start backing up. You know, there's a lot of things. If you if you've driven with a trailer before, uh, it, you know it's it can be very very simple until all of a sudden it's it's not. There's <laughs> yeah. it, it, in a way uh, it, it's almost like a partial. Uh, it sounds like a partial automation problem here a little bit to make sure that 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 human and the and the and the the trailer are kind of both under on the same page about what we're trying to accomplish at any given moment. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we we have sort of a, a we have a, a sophomore streak at, at at Lightship, and there's a there's there's a from time to time there are some Simpsons or sometimes Family Guy references that get get thrown around and. We, some, someone surfaced a, a clip from Family Guy yesterday where Peter is like, he's in a station wagon and he's trying to, to back a boat down a boat ramp. And he's like, oh, oh, he's, he's like, it's like the whole thing ends up in the, yeah. like 20 passes at it. And he's like hitting the sides of the boat ramp and hitting other people. And a crowd gathers. They're all watching him try to, to, to back this boat down the ramp. So yeah, it's that. Trailer. Then eventually, he just tur- turns the car around and drive drives it straight in. To, there, to, yeah, there's always yeah. a crowd too. As soon as he starts yeah, screwing yeah. up, also like I feel like I've only this only happened to me a couple of times, but every time there's like at least a couple more people than you wish were there. There's like the one person who's helping you, and then like people coming to watch you just like like mangle this poor trailer. There's the person who's done it before who's offering to to help it help you do it, and you're just like, no, leave me alone. I can back <laughs> up my trailer myself. <laughs> So is there, I mean, do you have, um, for people like, I actually, uh, forgot to ask this last time when I, when I saw it, is there any like, uh, driver assistance or trailer assistance type technology in the travel trailer that then communicates with the vehicle or like, how does that, like, do you have any sensors on the vehicle uh, on that for parking or anything like that? Yeah, we're yeah we're looking at. Um, I think, but one of the things you're getting at is is communication between the the trailer and the truck, and I think that's that's um, that's very interesting for us. I think at some point, probably a standard will emerge, uh, like a, you know, a new electronic standard of of um, of communication between a, the you know a, a, an OEM's truck and a trailer, and I think there's pretty interesting opportunity for um, data share there too. Uh, and and sort of helping the vehicles work better together. We um, one one thing one thing that we are uh, you know as a, as a tiny startup that we feel really kind of set on is that um, we don't we don't feel like we sort of can't afford to wait for such a standard to emerge in in developing the the first product. Um, we sort of have, we have to. Uh, uh, you know, we have to do everything we can to to ensure our our, our survival, and so um, yeah, we're we're focusing on making making the L1, for instance, be agnostic of of tow vehicles, so that we're not uh, you know we're we're compatible with with basically any any truck that can tow a a, a trailer of this this size uh, should will will work with with the L1, including the you know including the, the propulsion system. Um, we are. Um, we're, uh, I think we haven't, we haven't, we haven't kind of like released all, all the specs yet, but yeah, we're, we're, we're putting a number of, of, of driver aid 
features in like even 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 simple things like just just having um you know a better camera system for instance go i think will go go a long way to 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 giving you know giving 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 you a more peace of mind especially if you're if you're less experienced with with driving and especially backing up trailers because it, it's uh it's it's kind of a hairy experience the first time that you you know you're you're the vehicle that you're driving is now three times as long as you're used to and maybe double as tall, you know, when it, when it comes to the, the trailer and you're having to, to navigate the and 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 the two don't, you know, they're, they're not, uh, they don't all behave as one, as one vehicle anymore. So it's, it's like, a, it's a, it's a real challenge to, to, for, for newbies. On the camera front, would, would you, I, I was, yeah, yeah, go for it. I was going to just add one really quick note like just for for this may not be intuitive for people who've never pulled a trailer before but um it's not as though there's no elect you know electronic connection between the the truck and the and the and the trailer like there's a, a standard seven pin connector that all trailers use and that's how you pass like brake signals how you control control trailer brakes and it, and it just turns out that that's that's all the information that we actually need to to be passing you know from the truck to to the trailer and then we can do all of the additional sensing on 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 the trailer. We don't need anything proprietary. So yeah, just to follow up on that, then. So if you improve the cameras, would then it project onto the like vehicle, the truck's infotainment system, or like how would that like would it act as like a rear backup camera? Like how how would that work? Or are you thinking about those things? That's a cool Ben's idea. smiling, so I know that he is. No, that's a that's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, we're we're looking at stuff like that. Um. So I assume you're using an, an e-axle. Is that is that correct? Because there's a lot of a lot of suppliers have what, what are called e-axles. Are you doing that in in house? You're doing your own thing. Are you working with the supplier? Like, uh, you know, I'm also just kind of curious. You know, do you have do you have one motor going into a differential? Do you have a motor at each wheel? Just just to get a sense of 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 you know what what the sort of drive part of the system is doing. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're not going super deep into this yet, but um, but but also like I think it's it's actually really interesting. It's really interesting topic for conversation and it, even if, if you look at our website you'll see um you'll see some of the some of the bones of the vehicle and some of the cutaways and um you'll see it's a you know it's a, it's a single drive unit it's not um i think you might not uh you might not term it a traditional e-axle which often is is the motor integrated into like a, a solid beam axle um but where i mean a, a i guess a key um a key goal for us with with the drive system, of course, is 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 making it as low cost as possible and and um, not overpowering it either. Because like, like Toby said, it's it's not like we're um, it's not like you're going to be going to be going on the drag strip and putting down quarter mile times with your with your your light ship trailer. That's not not really the point here. You have um, ludicrous mode than <laughs> Yeah, that does sound terrifying. You can't steer. Um, but uh, but but so I, I guess the the idea is that okay how do we how do we make the drive unit as small as possible because in doing so we will make it cheaper and safer and and it can do its job which is the which is the range extension feature and then you rely on the um, the capability of these EV trucks which have you know they have they have torque and power for days to do hill climbing and, and accelerate and all of those things um, so it's it's a relatively it's a relatively small uh, drive unit. Because all remember, all you have to do is as you're cruising at, you know, highway highway speed, sixty say sixty miles an hour, keep up with the the drag 
of the trailer. You just need to offset that dragon, and that turns out to, to um, not be much power. Yeah, especially with the right gearing. Yeah, or drive, drive ratio. Yeah, yeah. So the prototype you showed at a, a outdoor installation in Austin during South by we were there and um, it's called the L1, right? And that is in the works now and, and maybe you can give an update on production. But Toby, I was wondering if you could talk about, um, you know, you could share all your plans for the future. Um, <laughs> wh- what else are you working on? Because I have to imagine you're thinking of like things from like the accessories that go into this to future other travel trailers or, you know, others. So maybe you can give a sense of an update on L1, but also what else you're kind of thinking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we actually, one, one new update since we saw you last, Kirsten, was we, we actually just signed on a, um, on a production facility in Colorado. Um, and uh, we're pretty stoked about that. There'll be there'll be more. We'll have more news coming on some of the details. Um, but that's where we'll build our first products. Um, it's still very much kind of like a pilot production facility. It's not it's not going to get us to like our our full production rate. Um, and so, you know, ninety five percent of our company is you know hell bent on bringing the L one to market, and and that's a ton of work there. Um, and then I'd say a very enthusiastic 5% of the company, which is probably like Ben and I and a couple of other people, um, are spending a lot of time working on sort of like the product roadmap. Um, and there's maybe two parts of that. One is for the L1, I mean, there's a ton of really exciting kind of like options and accessories and like all sorts of things you can do. I mean, we have automotive backgrounds, but fundamentally what we're building here is like equal parts, like car and house and like consumer electronics. There's like all sorts of really awesome things to do. Uh, and oh, by the way, we're also like, you know, building a whole new like infotainment, like software platform for it as well. Um, so a lot of really fun stuff there. And then if you think about the longer term product roadmap after L1, you know, our goal here is uh, to move the whole market, uh, you know, to, to going electric, right? Like we talked about um, pickup trucks earlier, like the, our reason for being, if you, if you think about this is like, pickup trucks are king in the US like 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 it's and it's not even close like last year i think the number 1 number 2 and number 3 highest selling vehicles light duty vehicles in the united states were all trucks and you buy trucks to do truck stuff and uh, and very high on the list and ford actually did a study on this i think it's like 70% of people tow with trucks um, and so we we want to help that category go electric and we won't be helping that category go electric if we build the L1 and stop. Like the L1 is um, a really awesome product that is meant to be, uh, you know, kind of targeted the mainstream premium segment. Think about like an Airstream or something like that. Um, But for us, you know, playing back the Tesla story a little bit from, from both of our backgrounds, like this is kind of our Tesla Roadster. Like it's a, it's a really awesome um, entry point uh, to, to prove that like, the RVing experience can be significantly better when when it's electric, um, and and then there's going to be a you know a light ship version of the Model S and a light ship version of the Model Three, which you may not be surprised to know are called the L two and the L three. Um, so we're we're uh, we're spending a lot of time working on like how do, how do we how do we grow the market? Like how do we get into like uh, more categories of vehicles? How do we push the price point down? Um, that is like, that's our, that's our overall mission. And then, you know, ultimately like half a million vehicles are sold in the year, in a year, every, every year. 
in the U.S. How do we how do we make all of them electric? Can we? I mean, can we talk a little bit more about the L one before we get too too much yes, into it down the down the line? Because I think I, I, it was fascinating to me. And and one of the one of the you know uh, you just said something um, to me that I think is is really you you know you both come you know experience at Tesla automotive background EVs, but building a a, a space that you're going to spend a lot of time in is its very own distinct sort of design challenge, and especially when you know you start to talk about obviously cost as a major factor aesthetic aesthetics right uh, aerodynamics but then also just durability usability things like that and 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 i have to say one of the coolest things there's a lot of, of cool stuff about about this this project that um but but one of the coolest ones was the space is just is really interesting it felt to me a lot like an airplane in certain way in a good way like like i think a lot of people don't think of airplanes as being great design but a lot of ways airplanes are really amazing pieces of design and and it felt a little bit like that in some ways more premium obviously i'm curious did you bring in a designer for like how did you how did you tackle that piece of the problem? Which to me, again, not knowing you guys super well, it seems like kind of part of the problem that's that's a little bit more of a, a stretch outside of your your comfort zone. So just I'm I'm really curious how you how you approach that and what your sort of uh, your sort of touchstones for like what were the values that were most important to to sort of get right on that piece of the of, of the product. Yeah, I remember T- Toby and I debated uh, really early on, like in in the first few months of, of starting the company uh what sort of what, what what are the key elements of the business here and because uh, we were thinking about how, how do we you know who are the first people that we hire and um i remember we we talked for a week or two about um you know is design in our dna as well is that is that in a role to 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 what we're doing here and and um we probably didn't need a couple weeks because it, it's pretty it's, it's pretty obvious when when you think about it that yeah like we, we need to be a uh, you know, a very design-driven company as well, and, and and now you'll you see that in the product. And we um, we got approached by this really awesome designer named Rob Williams, who uh, who's now our, our our head creative. And um, it was funny because we we like almost didn't believe Rob when he first came to us because so Rob um, his 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 background it would, it would appear was that he led creative at Rivian for for a couple of years when they were they were like just 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 before their their launch of the you know the R1S and the R1T and 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 the and the brand at at uh, I think it was LA Auto Show in 2018 and Toby and I were like there is no way that the former chief creative officer of Rivian, Rivian is is like knocking on our door right now but uh so we so we, so we sort of and rob, uh, rob still gives us flack for this we we sort of like slow played it for for a while and then eventually realized uh oh crap like what what are what are we doing here this 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 guy's the real deal and uh yeah within at once once uh the 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 wire connected in our, our dumb brains, we, we were like, holy crap, we, we need to hire this person. And, and so Rob's, Rob's been on for basically from, from the start and um, has built a really awesome design team as well. Like you even some, some of the, um, yeah, you, you talk about plane elements, plane design elements in, in, in the vehicle. That's because one, one of our, one of our, our industrial designers, her name is Jessica, um, has a background in, in automotive industrial design, but also, plane design. She was at, she was at Teague, um, up, up in, in Seattle area, which they, they do a lot of Boeing, like Boeing plane, plane interior designs. And she's, um, she, she in particular brings expertise on lighting and airplane bathrooms and things like that. And so, so, um, 
the the design team is really awesome. You know, Rob, Rob is amazing, and a lot of that, um, a lot of the expertise that each of them has picked up along the way is what we you know what what went into to this space, and, what, and I, we think um, what came out. I mean, I'm excited for more more people to 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 step through it like like y'all have, but it's it's a it's this um, it's this really open sort of airy warm space when you get into it. it it's got a I think some some of the some of the hallmarks that we found were that uh, we're able to get a really tall ceiling height in the vehicle because the vehicle has two modes. It has a road mode and a, and a camping mode. And so that you'll, you'll see that, you know, the whole top half of the vehicle raises up about three feet. And so what you get with the tall ceiling is like, you're not, you don't feel cramped anymore. It's, you know, it's almost a residential ceiling in there. And, and whether or not you're looking directly at the ceiling, your body sort of recognizes how much how much headspace you have above you and it really it really um it, it sort of like releases the, the the pressure in a way um the the whole the whole cabin of the vehicle also has wraparound windows on it it's these you know this is showing up more and more in, in automotive that uh, automotive cabins would would be very very glass heavy um same same here we, we although i think the opportunity with an rv is even greater when you when you've got the panoramic wraparound windows because because you know, essentially, when when you go RVing, you're you're trying to be comfortable, but really enjoy enjoy the outdoors and and sort of take take the vista in. So the whole, you know, the whole the whole goal was to 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 go off of this idea of bringing the outside in, uh, you know, as as you're as you're as you're camping a lightship and. Um, like, like, like you said, it's, it's pretty unique space. Yeah. And, and I should note on the windows because you showed it off there, there's a privacy like tinting element. So you can shut we, the world out if you want. Cause that was like one of my first questions. I'm like, this would be great until like the sun is like, you know, <sighs> roasting you from the insides. And but, then you showed me that. It's also most important. Um, one of my favorite parts of the whole, the whole thing, which is the bathroom, which is at the back. And, and I think the bathroom from just from a design perspective. So it's just amazing. You can like lift up or is it just the window roll up? You can literally be taking a shower. I just like, I'm just like picturing the, the Instagram photos now of just like parking this thing out somewhere out in the woods and just like having it open and being able to just like take a shower and like this indoor outdoor kind of concept. Like, like even with all the, the windows closed, you really feel that, that sense of airiness and light. But, but I love, I love that shower where literally you could be like half outdoors and, and, and showering and just enjoying nature. Yeah. You're, you're talking about the, um, this is the back the mirror. of the vehicle. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. It's a, the whole, the whole bathroom, the whole back wall of the bathroom is a mirror and it opens up like That's an automotive right. tailgate yep. basically. So yep. now, so now you're, you have an open air, yep. open air bathroom if you're in a, a secluded spot and you, I mean, you could literally. Or for Ed, it might be in a crowd spot. You know, just you really, wherever. Yeah, right. It depends He's on your comfort level. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're packed like sardines in a KOA, but you're still, you're still. <laughs> hey, the Walmart, you know, that's for the Walmart a, parking lot. You're going to make a shower. Good for you. Um, because you don't have the same formal design background as uh, some of the folks you hired, were there any design ideas or decisions, I guess, where they they ultimately might have won out, but you weren't convinced um, at the time? Just like maybe things you hadn't thought of. Um, certainly on the battery side of things, you have to be thinking of element of design, but I'm talking about, you know, interior aesthetics and things like that. Um as you went through the design process, like, were there any moments where maybe you learned like, Oh, like I hadn't thought about that or it ended up being what it is today because of some designs decision from, from the folks that you hired. 
Well, we definitely have more pink on the interior than I would have originally thought we would. <laughs> um, I, I'm joking, but sort of not. Like, what I, what I'd say is a lot of the fundamentals were actually set like very early on. From um, you know, it's like kind of like you know, the, the the design is based on like function, and so a lot of the you know exterior design is based on a ton of like aer- aerodynamic work work that is you know you know, focused on making the, the vehicle extremely efficient um, in terms of the shape, in terms of like the industrial design. I think we, you know, we leaned really heavily and, and really trusted our design team to like, you know, bring, uh, you know, their creativity and, and bring like an awesome, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, exterior um, aesthetic. And then on the interior, I think if I'm being totally candid, like I think Ben and I didn't know what to do at all. You know, I think like, we, we probably would have uh, had a much more conventional interior that's, a, you know, there's there's nothing, no no reason you absolutely have to reinvent the... There would have been a lot of pine is what you're saying, a lot of... Uh, yeah, I don't know, like <laughs> mahogany and... Pine, pine cabinetry with... Uh, yeah. And, and really, I mean, really, actually, I'd say, like, probably it, the, the layout, like, the lay, the layout is, is for us, is, is, is probably what's the most unique, you know, typically an RV is, like, everything you'd have in a house, but it's small. And if you spend a lot of time talking to people who spend time in RVs, like there's this, this story that, that comes out on repeat, which is like, yeah, we don't really use our kitchen. We just like grill everything outside because the kitchen's unusable or like, yeah, we never use our bathroom because the bathroom is tiny and awful. Um, and so we, I think took a lot of input from, from, you know, RVers. And then with the sort of direction of our design team, we, we basically built something that is, on the inside, kind of like a studio apartment. And, and we really didn't try to make it like, you know, your house or, uh, you know, it is its own space. Um, and, and that's probably the place that's, that's been sort of the most, the most driven by having, you know, really excellent design team. Yeah. I remember they, I mean, they went through and they kind of, they took us along with them, but they went through like over a hundred layout iterations. Many of them, we, we started with taping them all out on the floor of the the film studio that we were that we were renting in the in the mission uh, in San Francisco and so we had all these all these like multicolored tape tape layouts on the floor and then we went to VR for for a while and then we were using we were they were building um, foam core mockups of of the interior so so think like like science fair poster board versions of of the the space and then eventually we went to a, a you know a plywood a plywood and two by four interior buck that you could, where you could start to feel the ergonomics of the space. But it was only after um, a few months of, of working on, working on possible interior layouts. And the one, the one that we landed on, um, there, there are a bunch of reasons for it, but I, I, we, one thing that we really loved then and, and love now is, is how much circulation you can get in this space. Cause there's this, con- you know, it's, it's a long RVs are a long skinny vehicle. You can only be so wide by, by DOT standards and um so if if the thing is going to be long and skinny but you don't want to have people get be sort of like crawling over each other as they're trying to get to the front and the back you need to eliminate those those bottlenecks walking along the way and they just they, you know every every section of the vehicle is sort of laid out so you don't you're not having to crawl over the the people you're you're sharing the space with we've had uh our <laughs> at our our last team offsite we did a, a group photo the team's growing too big but we had we we did a a photo inside of the the l1 prototype and we got this will y'all will laugh at this we got uh 25 people 
into this this space we were like scared we were going to overload the vehicle but it and somehow still it did not feel insanely cramped i wouldn't suggest you go camping with 25 people in l1 but uh they will fit yeah all right well we could do a party in there um we are all out of time i did have one last important question for you guys um and you can you can um you know fight over who gets to answer it uh so you were at South by super popular installation. Um, you've been getting some press, things like that. So how many of the legacy RV companies are trying to acquire you guys right now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we did have some um, unannounced visitors from a very large RV company stop by. Um, I'd say they're, you know, we're, we're trying to figure each other out. Like uh, I think, you know, we have a lot of respect for the, you know, the RV industry and a lot of the manufacturers out there and not because they necessarily want to be acquired by them, just because we have a lot to learn from them. Um, and I think they're, I think a quote that came from a, from an RV executive was something to the effect of looking around our booth and it was like, wow, you guys, like, it hurts my feelings a little bit, but you guys got this right <laughs> or something to that effect. And we were like, oh, that's cool. That's high praise. We'll take it. Nice. Yeah. Well, that was an amazing deflection, Toby. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you handled the pressure well. Uh, I want to thank. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Ed, did you want to say anything before we wrap up? No, no. I just it's too bad uh, Alex it wasn't able to make it today. I, I'm sure he would have had some fascinating thoughts about how to use one of these trailers in a uh, cross country EV record attempt. But we'll just have to save that for another another episode, or or maybe we'll. We'll chat about it at the CES party next year. Yeah, wait. What what is the name of that? Uh, sorry, I know we, we wrap up. But what's what's the name of the the cross country race? Uh, the Cannonball. The, can, yeah, the Cannonball, Cannonball right. record. Cannonball yeah, run. Yeah. Cannonball run with travel trailers. We would clean up. Honestly, All I right. mean, I, like, I, you seriously should talk to Alex. It would talk be a, be a cool, cool promotion, yeah. and uh, <laughs> he would he would totally geek out over it. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. you never know, folks. Once once that. Um, trailer is out on the market then alex may be uh making a record attempt into it in the future so thank you toby and ben for joining us and thank you to our audience for listening to another episode of the autonicast